Okay. So anyway, um, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, I talked about our gifts. Does anybody remember? Four people. Does anybody over here remember? A few more people. And does anybody over here remember? A couple of people raised their hands. Okay, good. So will y'all help me again this morning? And we're able to... Okay, so the title this morning is Irrevocable Gift. So we'll just go on with it just a little bit further. And so um, um, I'll just tell you, I'm not going to have you turn to every verse because... I got a few extra verses in here today, but they're not for us to read every one of them. It's just for me to hit the high points of them and remind you of things. Because I think if you're a Christian, you should read your Bible sometimes on your own. And everybody at Faith Life Church. Where's Janet? Hey, whatever you do. Okay. There you go. And so anyway, yes. But you remember in 1 Peter, we talked about every man. It was 1 Peter 4.10, if anybody's taking notes. Every man has received a gift. Every man has received a gift. In other words, a ministry gift, a gift to be able to minister, a gift, uh, a gift to be able to do something for the Lord. Say, every man. Every man. Say, I am a man. Or a woman. Yeah. So every man has received some gift or some grace or some ability to be able to do something for the Lord. All right? Every person in here has. You've received something to be able to do for the Lord. You have some ability to be able to do something for the Lord. Whether it's just, I remember Keith's grandfather, you know, um, told this story about um, there was this man in the community and he was just really, really mean. And uh, nobody uh, could ever say anything about him that was very nice. And this one lady that went to his funeral and uh, everybody said she just had the gift of being nice to everybody. They're all kind of gifts. And said they could not figure out what in the world she was going to say nice about this man because he was so mean. And she walked up to his casket and she said, he was the best whistler I ever heard. (laughs) So you can say something, you know, everybody has some gift, you know, and everybody just looked at her and they believed that about her, you know. And so you have a gift of God, you know. Okay, so, but I also said, say, how many of you remember this? I also said that everyone is going to give an account whether they use their gift or they don't. Well, I got to studying on this a little bit more, and the Lord jacked me up just a little bit. I don't like being jacked up by the Lord. Do you? So I'm just going to read this and let you decide what you think about it, and I'm not going to make any comment. Or I'm just going to let you decide what you think about it. How many of you remember the stories of the talents, the five talents, the two talents, the one talent? And he told the guy, um, with the five talents, uh, well done. And then he told the guy with the two talents, you know, well done. And then go enter the joy of the Lord. Okay. But then the guy with the one talent, let's see where it is. He said, um, um, let's see if I can find it here. Um, I'll make the rule over it. And then they had the one that had received one talent came to the Lord, and he said he knew he was a hard man and that he had not, he'd reap where he'd not sown and gathered where he'd not strong. 
And this is in Matthew, in case you're taking notes, and it's in a few other places too. Um, And his Lord said unto him, this is Matthew 25, 26, in case you want to know. And this is in the King James Version. And I want you to see it for yourself. Now, he was given a talent. Now, how many did we say was given a gift or a talent? Every man. Now, I'm I'm not going to comment too much on it. But his Lord said unto him, You what? Okay, and, and it went on to say, you ought to have even put the money with the exchangers, and then you'd have come out and I'd have received my own money with usury. Therefore, take your talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For every one that hath it shall be given, and every one and, and, uh, he shall have an abundance. But to him that hath not, it shall be taken away from him. Now, verse 30 is what I wanted to get to. I'm trying to get to here. Now, I didn't write this, and this is what I got jacked up about. I said, you'll give an account, but the Lord said, read this. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's all I have to say about that. You make your own judgment about it. I didn't write the Bible. Okay? But it said, he's talking about the guy with the one talent that didn't do anything with his talent. And did God give us a talent, and what did we do with our talent? And verse 30 says, Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and what? gnashing of teeth when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then there shall they'll sit upon with him upon his throne before him shall be gathered all the nations and he will separate them one from another the shepherd shall divide the sheep and the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left then the king shall say unto them on his right hand hand come ye the blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now listen to this next part. Now this all goes together. People try to separate stuff. But this is, I mean, you can't just chop off part, the part that you like and, and not chop off the part that you don't like. Okay? For when I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will say, Lord, when was I thirsty and you gave me drink? And when was I a stranger and you took me in or naked and you clothed me or saw you sick or in prison and you came to me? And the king shall answer and say unto him, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Then he'll say to them on the left, Depart from me. What does the next verse say? Cursed 
into your house and just stay there. It says, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For when I was hungry, you didn't give me anything. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything. When I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. When I was naked, or when I was sick or in prison, or you visited me not. Then they'll answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you? You know the scenario. And the final verse, 46, says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's what I got jacked up about. You know, in today's society... It's like this. I've seen it a lot. People want to go to church to see what they can get out of God. What will God do for me? You know, I have family members like that. What will Aunt Phyllis do for me? She's got money. I don't. Do you like that? Does anybody else have family members like that? The only time they want to see you is when they need something? It stinks. The only time they want to be around you is when they want something? It gets old. You reckon God's that way? The only time we go around Him is when we want something? See how quiet you got? I didn't mean to scare anybody today. I didn't write the Bible. You've read, how many times have you read your chapter? Huh? This is in Matthew. How many times have we read Matthew as a church? Many, 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 many times. Did we just read over it real quickly and think, well, this doesn't apply to me? But guys, it does apply to us. And a good parent will say, get in there and get your homework done because I don't want you to fail. Turn that TV off. Turn those games off. Take their iPad away and make them do it. Is that a good parent or not? How many of you are good parents? How many of you ever correct your kids? A few of you. No, I'm just kidding. Most all of you do. Why do you correct them? Huh? Why do you correct them? Because you care about their futures. You care about what's going to happen to them in the future. Now, we get grown up, and we think nobody can tell us what to do. Huh? But at some point in our lives, we need to realize somebody needs to take us and shake us a little bit and say, Wake up! Wake up! Now, I'm not picking on Amy. Amy works her tail off. 
probably too much sometimes. But do you understand what I'm saying? There are people that if God asks them to go take their neighbor food because they're sick or go to the hospital and check on somebody or, or go to the prison, I've tried to start a prison ministry in this church ten times, but I can't find anybody that wants to do it. They're all too busy. Which is my next point. Why do people say they don't have any, they can't put God first, they can't do what God wants them to do? Why do people say they can't help feed somebody? They can't help do this. They can't help do that. Why do people say that? The Lord gave me three reasons. You want to know what they are? The first one is they say they're not saved. First one. They're not saved. You run into people all the time that don't put God first. Why? They're not saved. They don't understand the importance of putting God first. Why would you put God first if you didn't even believe in Him? But there's a problem with that. You're still going to go to hell if, you don't, if you're not saved. Why would you want to serve an evil, say like you've got an evil grandparent and they're going to die and they're not going to leave you anything and all their lives they tortured you. When you could serve a great grandparent that when they die, they're going to leave you this great big inheritance and all their life they gave you stuff and did stuff for you. Which one would you want to serve? The great one. But people still, they make choices. Because the main reason is because they've seen somebody else serve God that they thought was serving God and didn't represent the Lord properly. But you can't make somebody get saved. That's the choice between them and the Lord. He doesn't make anybody do anything. But then the second reason is they are too busy. I'm too busy to do what the Lord wants me to do. How many of you have ever said that? Be honest. We're in church. He knows already. Some of the hands are like this. I don't want anybody to see it. The Lord sees it anyway. How many of you have ever said, I've said it. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. How many of you have ever said, I'm too busy? Okay, at least you're honest. You can work with that. Let me tell you what the Lord says about being too busy to serve Him. You want to know? Okay. I'm going to tell you anyway. We're having fun anyway. You came, you got here, you have to listen to me. Keith's not here. (laughs) I think you're going to like it when we get close to the end of it, guys. Bear with me. I only can do what I think the Lord told me to do. So um, you have to eat your broccoli sometimes. You know, you like broccoli, see? Yeah, see? Yeah. Dave, you have to eat your broccoli. Your greens. Put Dave on the screen. Let's see him. Dave, you have to eat your broccoli. There you go. All right. Um, in Luke, 
I'm not going to make you read it, but you all know the story. Or you should know the story because, again, it's in the New Testament. And how many times have we read the New Testament? Many times. The Lord was having a banquet. And uh, he said at the time of the banquet, he sent Luke, it's Luke 14, um, 17, in case you're keeping up with it, in the NIV. Um, He said at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had already been invited. They had time to prepare. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had already been invited, Come, everything's ready. And what did they say? Okay, we'll be, we'll be right there. We'll be right there. Well, the first one said, I just bought a field. And I got to take care of it. I got to go see it. Please. They said, please. That, that makes it okay. They said, please. Everybody say, please, with me. Please. Please. Excuse me. They said it politely. Okay? Then the second one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I must go try them out. So what's the next part? Please. Please. Excuse me. And then there's still another one said, he didn't even say please. He just said, I got married. I ain't coming. (laughs) He didn't even say please. So the servant came back and reported this to his master. And his master said, it's okay, they said, please. It's okay. I understand. People have lives to live. They have things they have to do. They have jobs. They have kids. They have soccer. They have baseball. They have dance. They have piano. They have all these things that kids need to do. And I totally understand it. They have, over time, they have all these things that they need to pay their bills. And so I totally understand it. And they did say please. And I had a backup list anyway, just in case they decided they didn't want to do it. No. That's not what my scriptures and, and again, you have to decide what you think these verses mean. Because I didn't write them. And if you want to get upset with somebody... I guess you could get mad at Luke. Or God, because he told him to write it. But I wouldn't suggest it. The servant came back to his master, and then the owner of the house became what? Angry. Angry. And he ordered his servant to go pick some other people off the street and bring them in to the banquet. Now, we've had that happen. We've had it happen on the platform. We've had people that we've called to do music. We've had song leaders. I'll just, I'll just spell it out for you. You know me, I tell all the secrets. You want me to tell all the secrets? Dear sweet Susan, 
Susan never wanted to be the song leader in Branson. He got dunked on her because somebody else didn't do their job. But guess what? Guess what's going to happen to dear sweet Susan? Whose rewards is she going to get? Not only her rewards, but the guy's rewards that didn't do his job. I don't want that happening to you. Because it's all fine and good now while you're here and you're busy with what you're doing. It's all fine and good now while we make excuses and we go on with our daily lives and we can reason in our heads that it's okay and we can say, please excuse me, and we can keep our minds busy. But when we go and we stand before the Lord and He says, you worthless servant, I don't even know you. Phyllis is not going to be standing there before you and saying, why didn't you go and take care of that? Or why didn't you come and help take care of this? I'm not going to be there in your ear annoying you. I know some of the youth say sometimes they, can, they could still hear me when they'd start to get in the back seat of the car with a guy. <laughs> they'd say, I could hear your voice and I'd say, I, I gotta, I gotta stop this. I gotta stop this. Cause I annoyed them so much. But it was, your, it was your kids, Branson. I'm glad I annoyed them. And you know what? If you stand before the Lord and it keeps you from going to hell, I'm gonna be dancing that I annoyed you. I'm a great dancer, ain't I? I am going to be so glad that I annoyed you. I hope that I annoy your socks off. If I can annoy you so much that the next time something comes up and you think, you know what? I can hear Miss Phyllis in my mind. I better go do this. I better get up and go do I'd rather sit here and watch my favorite TV program, but you know what? I better get up and go do this. Amen. I better go check on them. I better do this instead of doing this. Oh, I better. Because I didn't write this, guys. And it's just like your kid when they go to do something. You want them to remember what you told them. Look at verse 25. This all goes together. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, Jesus said this. Not Luke. Jesus said this. And so, how many have it in red letters in your Bible? Okay. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, what's the next part? Even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. 
And whoever does not carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Everybody just gets amazed at the story about Abraham offering up Isaac. They're like, I don't know if I could do that. And everybody gets amazed at the story about the rich young ruler. But I got news for you. You want a newsflash? Take out a front page newspaper ad? That is required of every one of us. If there is anything that you have that you would not give up for the Lord, you don't love the Lord. I'm sorry. If there's anything that you would not give up for the Lord, you love it more than you do the Lord. I know you don't like what I'm saying this morning. But it's time that we make a transition. I don't want our churches going to hell. I don't want people going to hell. If there's anything in your life that you would be unwilling to give up for the Lord, anything, anybody that you would be unwilling to give up for the Lord, you better think about it. There's nothing I have in my life that I wouldn't give up for the Lord. Keith and I decided that a long time ago. Keith looked at me square in the face and he said, You don't follow Jesus? I love you, but we're done. That's it. You see how quiet it is in here? We need to do an account in our lives. If your job is more important to you than Jesus is, do you know how quickly you could lose that job? Amen. Do you know people, how many people over the last few years died with COVID unexpectedly during the night? We lost a dozen church members that just died during the night. I didn't care for that. And I purposed in my heart, I'll just tell you, our people were going to be ready to see Jesus. Do you understand that? I purposed in my heart that I wasn't going to play games about the Lord anymore. I purposed in my heart that when I saw people I was going to make sure that I don't care if it's the lady that does my hair. I don't care if it's the person that I come in contact with. I don't want anybody that I know, that I have personal contact with, to go to hell. Do you know how bad hell is? I don't think we can know. You ought to read Brother Hagin's book, I Went to Hell. I don't want anybody going there, much less people that sit in the pews of our church every day or every Sunday. We can't play games with the things of God and pretend like things are happening. We have to serve Him and be willing to do whatever it takes. And I'm not saying people are not saved, but I'm saying that we need to do what He tells us to do. Uh, you, you tell me. 
I don't know. What would have happened to Abraham had he not have offered up Isaac? Somebody got an answer? Does anybody know? Huh? He would, yeah. I don't know what would have happened. And I don't want to find out what will happen to me if I don't do what he says. Do you want to find out? People are having things happen in their lives, but why are they happening? Let's go on. Look at a couple of other verses. No, don't look. I'm going to try to look at the time. Um, He told Luke, he said, um, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom. Who who else looks longing? Luke, this is Luke um, 9.62. Anybody who looks longingly back will be turned to salt. Do we know that can happen? Did it happen to someone? Matthew 16, again, these are all New Testament. 24, Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 25, whoever wants to save his life must lose it. Do you know the reason that there's so many problems? Because people live by this flesh. If you didn't wake up in the morning and let your flesh dictate what you did today, you wouldn't have so many problems. But this next part says, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You ever heard somebody say, i got to go find myself? i just tell you how to find it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. You can't live according to your flesh. You have to die to your flesh. And find yourself in the Lord. All right. But there's some good news. Y'all ready for the good news? All right. Mark says, okay, Jesus. You know Peter. He's going to speak up. Mark 10 says, Peter says, but Lord, we did. We left all and we followed you. And what did he tell him? You shall receive, verse 30, a hundredfold in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. And in the world to come, eternal life. And then Mark again. Uh, no, that's the same one. Um, but just a different translation. It says um, a hundred times as much. So here's the deal that I wanted to get across on this, and I'm going to go on to the next part. You think you don't have time to serve God because you're fighting so desperately to do what you want to do, either your job or your personal life or your kids or whatever it is. But the Lord just said... If you would give your time, your money, your efforts, your kids, 
your spouse, everything, say everything, Everything. to him and deny yourself, he would give you back how much? Ten percent. A hundredfold. When you go to see him in heaven. He would give you back a hundredfold now in this time. Why do you think the devil fights you so stinking hard to keep you from doing anything for the Lord? Why do you think he tells you you can't go to that banquet? You don't have time. Why do you think he tells you you're too tired? Why do you think he tells you you don't have time to serve? Why do you think he tells you you can't go see that person at the hospital? Why do you think he tells you you can't go to your neighbor's house and help them cut their grass? Even though they just had surgery, make them cut it themselves. Why do you think he tells you you can't help anybody? Because he does not want you to see how good God is. He does not want you getting 100-fold. Now, this is Jesus talking. I truly am... Keith sees it. He said, I feel every day. Proof positive you're God's favorite. (laughs) Every night, he says, again, today. Proof positive. God's favorite. If you only knew the trailer... That we came from. Let me explain it to you once more. <laughs> Keith bought it for a th- less than a thousand dollars, I think. It had running water, limited. It had no heat, no air. It had no insulation. Zero. It had paneling. Ten, one by one. No two by four. One by one. Now, it's a good thing it doesn't get that cold in Mississippi. But it does get hot. No central air. Are you kidding? It had red carpet on the living room. It had linoleum with cuts in it where their table, do you know what I'm talking about? Those old times, yeah, the circles in the legs of the table had cut into the floor. Where the bed cuts had cut into the floor. The bedrooms were so small that even with a bed in it, you had to get out and go like this to get out of the bed. The dressers were built into the wall because there was no room to put a dresser in there. There was no stove, no microwave, no oven. Keith bought me an electric skillet and a hot plate. And I cooked peas and cornbread and fried chicken. Everything you you needed to cook. You, You are a southern girl. You have to cook. And Keith worked on the dock where I sent him a grocery sack full of food this big every day. 
because he could eat it. The man can eat. <laughs> and he still can eat. And he likes good food. But we came from that. No land. We had to put it in his parents' front yard. And a vega that blew up on us in the middle of a pasture that we had to walk five miles in the freezing cold in the mud up to here to get to a phone. Now, this is where we came from. Now I have what most people would call a mansion and a Bentley and a Billy and a Bubby. I pick on him. And a beach house. Now, that's a hundredfold plus. And the only reason I'm telling you these things is not to brag on me. It is to brag on what God wants to do for you. Amen. He wants to do the very same thing for you. But you can't say, oh, it's 5 o'clock. The other night it was 11.30. I was getting texts. The other morning it was 7 o'clock. I was getting texts. I told Jordan, I said, Jordan, don't people know they're not supposed to text you at 11 o'clock or 11.30 at night just because they can? You, you're working around the clock. But it pays good dividends. It pays. And it's not okay that when troubles arise that you just throw up your hands and quit. Let's talk about that. You want to know what number three is? Does anybody know what number three is? That people say, I'm not qualified. Did Moses say that? Moses said he wasn't qualified. Did that suit God real well? No. Didn't suit God real well to say that he wasn't qualified to do what God had called him to do. So let's talk about you're not qualified or you messed up. Moses said he, he mumbled and so he couldn't do what God called him to do. Not only did Moses say he mumbled and he couldn't do what God called him to do, but did Moses mess up? Did God still use him? Yes. I'm not, I don't have time to go through. You see what time? I don't have time to go through every Bible story. It's not a story. It's, it's a, a Bible truth, a Bible oh, yeah. example. It's, it's not a make-believe. I'm calling them stories, but they're, they're Bible examples. They're Bible truths. Moses killed a man. God still used him. Moses hit the rock instead of obeying what God told him. God still used him. All right, so let's look at some other people. Samuel sent, I mean, God sent Samuel to anoint somebody. Does anybody know who? David. King David. Let's talk about King David for just a minute. King David, God said, was a man after God's own heart, right? Right? 
Does anybody remember that? This man, after God's own heart, let's see, he only broke half the commandments. Do you want to know about it? He coveted Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. He committed adultery with her. He effectively stole her from Uriah. He lied to him. He eventually murdered him. So let me ask you a question. Did God miss it by picking him? Let's hear it from everybody. Did God miss it by picking David? No. Does God miss it? No. Did he miss it by picking you? No. So if you've stolen, if you've lied, if you've cheated, if you've committed adultery, did God miss it? No. Can he still use you? Yes. He had to be... In his, I'm going to say, 30s to 50s when this happened. And he went on and served till he was in his 70s. He didn't get kicked out. He did have to pay the consequences. He lost a son. But he didn't get pulled from doing what he was called to do. Right. Say irrevocable gift. Irrevocable gift. God's gifts and callings. Are irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. If you mess up, you repent and you get it right. The one thing you do see about David, now everybody's looking at me, right? Everybody in Branson, you're looking at me. Everybody on the camera, you're looking at me. He didn't do it again. Repent means you don't do it again. You don't hear about David going, having another affair, killing somebody else's wife, doing what he did. He repented. That's why God said he was a man after his own heart. He got it straight, he straightened up his life, and he went on. And God will do the same thing for you. You get it straight. People ask about divorces all the time. Oh, we get it all the time. How does God think about divorce? Well, how does he think about you? How did he think about David? He's like, okay, let's get this right. Let's go on. God is so big on you. Fix it and move on. The same thing he told the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Go and what? Sin no more. That ought to be our message. Go and what? Sin no more. Go and what? Sin no more. Go and what? Sin no more. That's all he cares about. Fix it and go and sin no more. That's what repentance is. Go and sin no more. He wants us to be able to pick up where we messed up and go and sin no more. Get back to work. Let's look at another one. Um... Here's a good one. I like this one so much because we have so many friends and so many people that get, I'll just tell you, Elijah. 
Elijah had so many miracles and experiences. He caused the rain to stop for three years. He was fed by ravens. He's the one that had the limitless jar of flour and the jug of oil. Y'all remember all that? Um, he uh, witnessed a widow's son from uh, being resurrected. He also beat the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven. Y'all remember all these miracles that he did? But, but, either he had ministry burnt out or he just got tired or he was having a bad day or he didn't feel good or he got defeated or he got depressed. I don't know what happened to Elijah, but it happens to a lot of people. Because he got under that tree and that measly little woman, Jezebel, he got under there and cried like a baby. Now, he can beat all the prophets of Baal, but he can't beat this little measly woman, Jezebel. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been doing all these miracles for the Lord and doing all this stuff for the Lord? And then one day you wake up and you're just ready to throw up your hands and quit. Maybe you haven't been doing it for the Lord, but you've been doing it for other stuff. But you're just ready to throw up your hands and quit. What was he doing? He was believing lies, even after all the stuff the Lord had done with him. It's so easy when we get back in the flesh to start believing the lies that the devil feeds us instead of the truths that God feeds us. And that's all he did. It was just that simple. All he would have had to done is turn to the Lord instead of listening to the devil. And what did the Lord tell him? You're not the only prophet left. I've got lots of prophets left. Get up from there and come on, let's do our job. And that's what the Lord will do for you if you'll turn to him instead of turning this way. It's really easy for him. But we have to turn our backs toward the Lord and turn it away from the devil. And quit listening to him. So if you've got tired, realize this. If you've got depressed, if you've got down, if you're ready to quit, if, you've, if you're like, I'm ready to commit suicide, just realize real quickly you've been listening to the wrong thing. That's all it is. It's so simple. You've been listening to the wrong thing. Yes, there are chemical things, but God can put other chemicals in there. All you got to do is just turn. Amen. Start listening to the Lord. And he'll change the situation just as quickly as he did for him. Okay, the next one is Jonah. How many of you remember Jonah? Amen. Yeah. People say it was a whale, but the Lord told him to do something. What did Jonah do? I won't ask you how many has done that. I will, I will tell you I did it. Okay? Keith said, oh, we were busy. We were meeting ourselves coming back in Branson. You know? And I could not see for the life of me how this was going to happen. Keith looked at me and he said, Phil, I feel like we're supposed to start another church. And I got mad. I was like, no way, no how, I can't do it. There's no way. Uh-uh, no, you, n- not... And I ran. I'm like, I'm out of here. No. 
I went in my room and I'm like, no, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because I'm like, and this is what I said. I was kind of like Sarah when I didn't laugh. I got mad. I said, you don't understand. You get up and preach. We have to do all the other stuff. Open my big mouth. Now, you've never done it. Look at me like that. You've never done it. Just because I tell my secrets. But if I wouldn't have changed my heart, none of you would be here. I repented just like Jonah did. Thank God I didn't have to go in the belly of a whale. I felt like it for a little while. But you can mess it. And you can say things and do things that is wrong. And you can, no, I don't want to do that because you have flesh. But the quicker you can grab hold of that flesh. And now I don't want to leave here. <laughs> Keith is like, Phil, let's go. Um. It's like my feet are in concrete. Mm. So I don't want to miss it again, you know, but you have to be open to what the Lord wants you to do. It, we, the thing about humans is they cannot see no further than their nose. And they can't even see that the blessing is out here and God's waiting to give it to them. But they're so fearful of what they don't know and what they can't see and what they can't do. But what they don't realize, they can't do anything without Him. So if I was depending on me to do it, how dumb was that? So dumb to think you can do anything by yourself anyway. You need to just get in your room, finally turn it over to Him and say, Lord, what do you want to do? It's yours anyway. I've never said no to you. If you want to do this, here I am. Let's do it. And it's turned out just grand. It's been great. It's been glorious. But you got to obey Him. And it'll be good for you. All right. So you know the story of him. He did the same thing. It says he refused out of stubbornness. Instead, he did the opposite. He ran away from the Lord and set out on a ship and the big old whatever fish was. But he repented. And he went back and he spread the message to the Ninevites. And what did they do? They repented. And he got his reward. So even if you've messed up, guess what? It's not too late. It's not too late. Then you know this one. Paul's horrible story about how he persecuted Christians and how he mistreated all the Christians and killed Christians. Who picked Paul? Who picked you? These people think God did. What about the rest of y'all? Who picked you? Does he know what you can and cannot do? I'm looking at people. 
Does he know what your qualifications are? Does he know how old you are? Does he know how much life you have left and what you're capable of doing? Does he know how much stuff you have stored up already and how much you need to store up? He picked Paul. So many people just feel unqualified because of what they've done in the past. But you know what? This is the amazing thing about the Lord. He doesn't remember your past. If you've repented, He doesn't even remember it. He washes you white as snow. It's just clean. It's just white as snow. And here's my favorite one. Can you have walked with the Lord Himself? Can you have walked and been used of the Lord? Can you have been close like this with the Lord? And God have used you over and over again? And still miss it? What about Peter? Was he very close to the Lord? You would think somebody that was this close to the Lord every day and could talk to the Lord every day wouldn't miss it. How many times did Peter miss it? He'd open his mouth. He'd do dumb stuff over and over. And how many times? He's my hero. I'm telling you, when I get to heaven, he's going to be one of the first ones I want to find. Because I've done it. But what did Jesus do? He said, he warned him. He's warned you. He's told you. How many times has he told you? Do this. Get up. Go 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 do this. Get up. Didn't do it. He did Peter. He said, I'm warning you. You're going to deny me three times. Peter said, no, 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 no. Not going to happen to me. No, 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 no. What happened to Peter? I'm a farm girl. Didn't think I could do that. Yeah. Keith laughs every time we read it in the Bible. He makes me do it. Three times. I won't do it three times. <laughs> Might scare the kids in the next county. <laughs> I wake Keith up that way sometime. Uh, anyway, what were we saying? Three times. Three times. Peter denied him. Peter was heartbroken. 
even though he was warned, even though he knew it was going to happen, even though he could see Jesus in the distance, even though he knew what he should do, the whole time he knew what he should do. You ever been there? He still denied him. But did Jesus hold it against him? He acted like it didn't even happen. He acted like, I mean, he brought it up, but then he just went on. He said, feed my, la- feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He was the first one to start building the churches. He still used Peter. Even though Peter knew he was missing it. Even though the Lord warned him and warned him it's going to happen. He told him, watch him pray. Missed it there. Just kept on missing it. It was okay. Because he loved him. Just like he loves you. Just like he gives me a second chance. Just like he gives you a second chance. Because he loves us. There's so many more. Peter asked him this question. I guess the reason I think he asked him this question is because... He didn't want to forgive somebody. But also maybe because he'd done it so many times himself. Um, He came to Jesus and asked him, how many times should we forgive someone that sins against us? Maybe because he'd sinned against the Lord that many times. I don't know. (laughs) Surely seven times seven would be enough, Peter reasoned. But Jesus answered, and I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. I think that was in a day. So, who's wronged you 70 times, 7 times in a day? So, if the Lord would tell you to forgive somebody 70 times, 7 times in one day, you should be rejoicing. Because He would forgive you that many times in a day. Or more. Because he said his mercy endures forever. And ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So my words to you this morning are stop procrastinating. A couple of stories you'll remember and then we'll close. How many of you remember the ten virgins? Some were ready. Some were not. Stop putting it off. And I'll read you this. Matthew 24, verse 36. But about that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. How many of you can sense? Feels like the end is close, closer than it's ever been. How many of you think that if somebody would have given them a warning to straighten up and fly right, like I'm doing to you this morning, or you're not going to get in the ark, you're all going to die in a flood, some of them would have made changes in their life. How many of you think there are scratch marks on the outside of that door of the ark? It's not a funny thing. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That's how it's going to be at the coming of the Son of the Man. Two men's going to be in the field. One's going to be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you don't know the day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he'd have kept watch and he wouldn't have let the thief break into his house. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you're not expecting him. He's not going to give us a warning. He's not going to say get everything prepared and ready. We have to be prepared ahead of time. We have to stop procrastinating. We have to do what we're going to do now here today. I know today was a little bit more sobering message, but God did not give us our gifts and our callings to set them on a shelf and say, one day I might do that. He gave us our gifts and our callings to begin using them now and to accomplish There's this question, and there's always been this question in the earth. Why are we here? You ever wondered that? Has people ever asked you that? Why are we here? We're here to do this. We're here to tell people about the Lord. We're here to prepare people for His second coming. We're here to tell people that Jesus is coming soon. We're here to keep as many people as we can from going to hell. The reason that that front part was so important about, did you feed me? Did you clothe me when I was thirsty? Did you you give me to drink? Is because the only way that you're going to be able to minister to people is because if you don't feed and clothe them and love on them, they're never going to even know who you are to minister to them. You're, you're not going to just walk up to a stranger most of the time and say, do you know Jesus? It's going to be the people around you. It's going to be the people at your workplace. It's going to be the people that you know, that you help or that you do something for. That's when you're going to be able to tell them about the Lord. Too many times at my workplace, I would minister to people. I'd bring them home. I'd feed them. I'd give them a place to stay. I've taken in, we have so many people. 
We never had any kids, but we took in plenty of them. And unless you're willing to do these things to help people and minister to people, they're never going to know the Lord. Unless you go to your neighbor and help them when they have needs, they're never going to want to hear about the Lord. This church should be filled with people, not just this one, but every church in town. Because people are doing what God called them to do. It's going to be sad when the Lord comes that people are not ready for him. Stand to your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed in both places. Again, I know this was sobering. Again, every head bowed and every eye closed. Um, Start singing that song that you sang for the offering, if you would, please. people in here I just could sense it when I was talking about different ones that had missed it you've missed it bad you have had affairs you have stolen you have done things God doesn't want to hold that against you but here's the deal you have to repent Now, you don't have to repent in front of a crowd, but you do have to repent. And there's people in here. And I don't like this word at all, but I think most of you will understand what I'm saying. I haven't liked it from the first time I heard it, but they're calling them Republicans in name only. Christians in name only. You like the fact that people think you're a Christian. But you've not done anything for the Lord. You've not been willing to pay any price for the Lord. There's a price to pay to serve the Lord. You have to give your life to Him. It's like this song says, Give me Jesus. You can have this whole world, but give me Jesus. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, Father, I lift up every person under the sound of my voice. This was very sobering today. And I'm not saying no one's going to go to hell. Just like I don't think Abraham would have went to hell. I don't know what these things mean. I ask that every person put their own interpretation on it. But I ask you, any person under the sound of my voice that's never made you the Lord of their life. There's a difference to me in being saved and making Jesus and God the Lord of your life. I ask you to draw them back to you. Draw them now. 
You said no man could come unto you unless you would draw them. So I ask you to draw them. And Father, if there are those that were close to you, they were even used of you, Father, in the gifts and the anointings of God, but they've gotten away from you, Father. And they've been unwilling to die to the flesh, but they've gotten further and further and further away from you. I ask you, Father, to draw them back to you this morning. Father, the days are short. We don't know the hour or the time. And I want all of our family right beside us, accomplishing everything that you've called them to accomplish. Some of the people in these churches, Father, have greater calls on their lives that they've not fulfilled. Ministering to greater numbers. Doing greater things with finances. I ask you to lift them up higher. And so, Father, I ask you to draw them back in to where they're supposed to be. And Satan, you take your hands off of each and every one of these people that I've prayed for. If you're in here today, and I was praying for you, now heads bowed and eyes closed and cameras focused directly on me from my waist up so you can't see people's hands. If you're in here today, Would you please just slightly lift your hand up for the Lord to see it? Yes, I see them. I see them everywhere. I see hands just all over the place. All over the place. I see hands all over the place. The Lord's still working. The Lord is still working. I know a lot of you won't do it, but I think it could be a very great thing for you, if you would. I think there's some more hands that could be raised, that need to be raised. But I also think this. David's going to sing this. Dave, you go up front. I think every person that would. The Lord said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you in that day. I think it would be real good. I've, I voice to you my mistakes. Nobody knows what your mistake is. Nobody knows you denied the Lord like I did to come and start another church. Nobody knows what the situation is. Nobody knows how big or how small it is. But I think it would be good for us to make another commitment to the Lord. And just to come to the front. If you're in here today, Dave's going to sing. David's going to sing. And if you're ready to do that, I think it may be half the crowd the way the hands work. Just come on up front. Go ahead, David. In the morning. 